Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, This Is What We Do. The big idea behind this series is that Jesus tells his followers how to live life and that what we do makes a difference in the world. When we pursue God, live generously, serve regularly, foster unity, and share the gospel, it inspires others to do the same. When we add our individual actions to what other believers are doing, God multiplies the impact. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, I want to wish everybody a good morning again. Those of you here in the building, those of you online, we're glad you're here. And we're in the middle of this series called This Is What We Do. And it's what we do as Christ followers that makes a difference. Now, why is this so important? Because God makes a difference in this world by what he's done in Jesus Christ, and he calls us to follow him. And when we follow him, we add to what God wants to do in the world, and what we add, God multiplies to do his will and to see it fulfilled in this world and on this earth. So, over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about these things, about what we do as followers of Jesus. Number one, we pursue God. We pursue God. The second thing that we looked at last week is we live generously. And today, we're going to look at the truth that followers of Jesus Christ serve sacrificially. Now, when I think about people who have served sacrificially, I think about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And if you've ever read or listened to Dr. King's sermons and speeches, you know what a great writer and a great preacher he was. And if you know anything about his life, first and foremost, you know that he was a sacrificial servant for God in the way that he lived his life. And he gave his life in service to God, particularly to help us as followers of Jesus and the world see that racism is a sin, and particularly that followers of Jesus Christ are called to deal with it. And we have to each and every day. Dr. King's most famous speech, I think we all would agree, is the I Have a Dream speech, which, by the way, didn't originally include the most famous part about his dream for the world. Uh, That day, Dr. King had shared, uh, uh, well, before that, Dr. King had shared about that dream in other speeches and other sermons. And that day, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson prompted him by saying, tell them about the dream. So Dr. King abandoned his prepared script that day, and he improvised the rest of the speech, which we all know had electrifying results. But equally as significant and and eerily prophetic was the sermon that Dr. King preached on February 4th, 1968, just two months before he was assassinated. And the sermon was called The Drum Major Instinct. And it's a sermon about serving sacrificially. His text for that sermon was from Mark 10, starting in verse 35, where the disciples James and John asked Jesus, when he comes and establishes his kingdom, would he let one of them sit at his right side and one of them sit at his left side? And Dr. King points out, now, very quickly, we would automatically condemn James and John, and we would say that they were selfish. 
Why would they make such a selfish request? But before we condemn them too quickly, let us look calmly and honestly at ourselves and we will discover too that we have those same basic desires for recognition, for importance. The same desire for attention, that same desire to be first. Of course, now the other disciples got mad with James and John, and you can understand why, but we must understand that we have some of the same James and John qualities. And there is deep down within all of us an instinct Dr. King wrote, the kind of drum major instinct, the desire to be out front, the desire to lead the parade, a desire to be first. And it's something that runs the whole gamut of life. Dr. King went on and he said, I want you to see what Jesus was really saying. What was the answer that Jesus gave James and John? It's very interesting. One would have thought that Jesus would have condemned them. What of, one of, would have thought that Jesus would have said, you are out of place. You're selfish. Why would you raise such a question? But that isn't what Jesus did. He did something altogether different. He said in substance, oh, I see you want to be first. You want to be great. You want to be important. You want to be significant. Well, you ought to be. You want to be important? You want to be significant? You're going to be my disciple, and you must be. But then he reordered priorities, and he said, yes, don't give up this instinct. It's a good instinct if you use it right. It's a good instinct if you don't distort it and pervert it. Don't give it up. Keep feeling the need for being important. Keep feeling the need for being first. But I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. That is what I want you to do. Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he or she who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. Now, according to the ways of the world that we live in, Jesus had things upside down. The world says to be great, you must be served by others. But Jesus says to be great, you must be the servant of others. That's the way of Jesus. He established an upside down kingdom and everyone who believes in and follows Jesus is called to be a part of that upside down kingdom. And so as part of Jesus' kingdom, what do we do? We serve First and foremost, and we do it sacrificially. You know, when you study the Gospels and you study the teaching of Jesus, you will find he has a lot to say about the importance of serving. And I want to look at five teachings from Jesus this morning. Here's the first one. Serving sacrificially is what Jesus calls us to do. Serving sacrificially is what Jesus calls us to do. Now, going back to that passage that Dr. King based the drum major instinct sermon on, we're going to read from Mark chapter 10, a little bit further in the story. So Jesus called them together and he said, 
You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus redefined greatness to his disciples in an upside-down kingdom philosophy. Greatness doesn't come from being served. It comes from serving others. And he says, to the point of serving others by being a slave to them. Now, that is sacrificial service. And because he was directly answering the quest of two of his disciples and telling them what to do. We understand that he calls every single person who believes in Jesus Christ and follows him to do the same thing, to serve sacrificially. We understand it even more because the second thing that we see that Jesus teaches is this. Serving sacrificially is following his example. Serving sacrificially is following his example. You know, there's a theme that runs through Jesus' teaching and his life. And at sometimes that theme is explicit and sometimes it's more implicit. As we saw earlier, the passage from, the, from Mark's gospel ends with Jesus saying this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, what's that term, Son of Man, mean? Now, for us, we have the, the beauty of hindsight and we understand that's a, that's a messianic term. It's a title for the Messiah. And so when Jesus used that, he was talking about himself, but not everybody would have understood that. So it wasn't explicit. It was implicit. And from his teaching, we understand that, that he was pointing to himself and to his death in which he would serve the world by paying for the sins of all of us. But in the Gospel of John, there's a passage where Jesus demonstrates what serving sacrificially looks like. To understand that passage, you need to know something about first century Israel, about really the first century world. And first thing you need to understand is this, is particularly in Israel, people didn't sit at tables like we sit at when it came time to eat a meal. They would gather around and sit on a rug or on the floor, and there may have been a table. It would have been a very low table, and, and the food would be spread out before them. And think that through. You're not sitting on chairs. So when you're sitting close to one another, um, not only are you uh, uh, sitting uh, no, close to their uh, heads and their uh, torso, but also their feet. And you need to understand it in that culture, cleanliness, particularly in Jewish culture, was something that was very important and it was actually a religious priority. And so the disciples had been raised in this culture where when one entered someone's home to have a meal with them, they understood that there would be a slave there someone at the, at the lowest level of society and of social status who would actually wash the feet of the guest. And so Jesus calls his disciples to come and have a meal with him. And when they go to this place, there's no slave there to wash their feet. Now, 
this would have created a, a great deal of tension um, because there's nobody there to wash the feet of everyone and that would be unclean, that would be religiously inappropriate and uh, regardless of the fact that these guys become followers of Jesus, they tried to follow the, the rules of Judaism and so there was tension there. There was tension, great tension, and there was no slave. And, and John uh, shows us that, that in a powerful illustration of servanthood, Jesus gets up and he takes water and a basin and a towel and he goes around and he washes the feet of all the disciples. Now, there was tension already there because the rules of uncleanliness were not uh, being clean, were not being followed but now the tension ramps up a thousand percent because while all of those disciples have sat around and looked at one another and said, I'm not going to do it. Their teacher, their rabbi, the, the VIP in the room gets up and, and begins to wash the feet of everyone. Now, the last person in the room that anybody thought who should take on that role would be Jesus. But he does that, and, and you, can, you can hear them in, in our minds objecting. Teacher, no, no not, not you. You know, I, I can hear them even in my mind mumbling to one another saying, Jesus shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing that. Or you should be doing that. And the, the tension reaches a climax when Jesus comes to Peter and Peter objects to his teacher doing the job of a slave. And he says, no, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus squashes all of their resistance and Peter's when he says to him, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And so Peter and the rest stop resisting. And they let Jesus wash their feet. Now, when this story concludes in the Gospel of John, this is what we read. When he had finished washing their feet, he put, his clothes and returned, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And there it is. Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You and I know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus did more than take on the role of a slave and wash dirty feet. He served us and all of humanity in his life and through his death. He was arrested. He was tried. He was beaten. He was crucified to serve us sacrificially and bring salvation to the world. And he gave us an example of serving You know, what Jesus did changed the world. And the reason he tells us to serve sacrificially is because when we do that, it also changes the world.
And, and that's the next thing that he teaches us. Serving sacrificially changes the world. Maybe you've heard the, uh, the tale of the starfish or some variation of it. In her book, The Star Thrower, Lauren Isley tells the story this way. It all started when a young girl was walking along a beach upon which thousands of starfish had been washed up during a terrible storm. When she came to each starfish, she would pick it up and throw it back in the ocean and people watched her with amusement. She had been doing this for some time when a man approached her and said, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all of these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. The girl seemed crushed and suddenly deflated, but after a few moments, she bent down and she picked up another starfish and she hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. And she looked up at that man and said, it made a difference for that one. And the man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done and said, and inspired, he joined the little girl in throwing starfish back into the sea. And soon others joined and all the starfish, at least at that part, were saved. You know, when I share the vision of Valley Brook's vision statement, love God, love people, change the world, I oftentimes add, add one more phrase, and that phrase is, goes this way, love God, love people, change the world, one life at a time. You know, the reality is this, is you and I can't change the world like Jesus did, but we can change the world one life at a time. Jesus was God in the flesh. He is God still. And when he defeated sin and death through his death and through his resurrection, he did it for everyone. And indeed, he, he changed the entire world forever. Most of us, though, can't have that kind of impact on the world. But we can change the world one person at a time. And Jesus taught us to serve sacrificially, knowing that what we do will have an impact on both people that we serve and also on people who observe how we serve. Jesus said it this way. Let your light shine before others that they may say your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Followers of Jesus serve sacrificially because Jesus tells us to do so and because it glorifies God and because when we do it, because it's so countercultural, it catches the attention of others and they wonder why we serve and sometimes we get to tell them. And why we serve is to glorify God. You know, I, I think back to when Cynthia and I moved here and we planted this church. Because one of the things I first began to notice as we would drive through the communities in the area was that oftentimes on the town greens, there were signs and those signs advertised bake sales or tag sales or or this type of fundraiser or that type of fundraiser for churches and you know after watching that for several weeks and months I really sensed that God said you know what Clark that's not what the church is supposed to do 
church isn't supposed to go to the community to raise funds for the ministry. The church is supposed to go to the community to serve it for the glory of God. And so, by God's grace, this ministry continues and thrives because of the generosity of you who call Valley Brook your church home. And we're grateful for that. And we serve the community. We did it last month through the live nativity. We'll do it in the spring through other things. And why do we do it? For the glory of God. For the opportunity to praise Jesus and illustrate that we serve because he served and we may have the opportunity somewhere along the way to tell some why we do. It's, it's countercultural. It's not the way of the world. It's upside down according to the ways of the world. But Jesus established an upside down kingdom and he calls us to be in it. Jesus also taught that there's something very unique that happens when we serve. He tells us that in serving others sacrificially, we're serving him. In the story known as the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus teaches us about the day that he will return to earth in glory and all of humanity will stand before his throne and be judged and he'll separate people into two groups, sheep and the goats. And the sheep will be those who have done what he called them to do and the goats will be those who didn't. And those who have honored him and did what he called them to do will receive blessings and those who haven't will receive curses. Now, stay with me because this wasn't a parable about the difference between believers and people who don't believe in Jesus. Because Jesus was speaking to people who all considered themselves to be believers. But Jesus was drawing a line between those who just give lip service to being a follower of God and those who give a life of service to being a follower of God. Now, let me be clear. You know, Jesus is not equating doing good deeds as a means for salvation. Let me make it very clear. Good deeds do not get us into heaven. Faith is what gives us eternal life. But what he is saying is that if you are a believer, you will bear the fruit of faith and that will result in serving God and his kingdom purposes. But there's something else in this passage that Jesus reveals to us. And honestly, it feels a little mystical. He says this, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What's he talking about? He's talking about serving. And in a few verses later, he, he tells us the converse, that whatever we did not do for the least person, we didn't do for him. Now, let's take a moment just to, to ponder that. When you serve your spouse, when you serve your parents, when you serve your children, you're actually serving Jesus. When you serve your friends, when you serve your neighbors, when you serve strangers, you're actually serving Jesus. And in Jesus' eyes, most importantly, when you serve someone who is hungry or thirsty or in need of shelter or need of clothing or who is sick or in prison, you're serving Jesus. 
And of course, the converse is true. When you don't serve your family or your friends or your neighbors or strangers or anyone else, you didn't serve Jesus. So we need to understand that every time we have the opportunity to serve, we have the opportunity not to serve just the person that our eyes are seeing. We have the opportunity to serve Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. The last thing that I want to tell us that Jesus teaches about service is this. Serving sacrificially is blessed by God. Now let me unpack that a little bit. Giving to get something in return is not something that Jesus taught. And neither is serving to receive a blessing something that he taught. That would be the prosperity gospel. The, the prosperity gospel is a false teaching that says, if you give, God's going to bless you materially, or he's going to have other people serve you if you serve. That's the prosperity gospel. We serve because we have a Lord who serves us, and we don't expect anything in return. But Jesus is clear that we are blessed when we live according to God's will and serving sacrificially is his will for everyone who believes in him. So let's look at what he says. He says, if you love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Every sinner loves those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. When your reward from heaven, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. What Jesus is telling us here is that the blessing of serving is simply knowing that you are acting to others like God has acted to you. That you are treating others the way God has treated you. That irregardless of how they've treated you, you're treating them like God has treated you. And then he says, this demonstrates that you're truly children of God, that you're God's sons, God's daughters, God's children, and that's the blessing that he's talking about. As somebody who writes sermons, one of the things that I ask myself at, the, uh, at some point in the message that I'm working on is, so what? So what about everything I've just pointed out? What, so what? Here's the so what. Now that we know what Jesus taught about serving sacrificially, we need to lean into that. We need to recognize that we're called to serve as he has served us. We're called to do whatever it takes to glorify our Father in heaven. We're called to follow Jesus' example, which was an example of sacrificial service. So maybe you're asking, well, how am I supposed to serve? 
I'm going to give you a suggestion that, that help you possibly answer that question. Uh, on the screen, the team's going to put a, a QR code. And if you want to pull your camera out and, and uh, on your phone and, and link to that, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that right now. Because what's going to happen is uh, when you do that, it's going to pop up to a page on our website that talks about our growth track. And on that, you're going to find a, a link to a page uh, that has some opportunities on how you could serve at Valleybrook. So whether you're here in person or online, I would encourage you to, to, to check out that link and, and maybe bookmark it so you can look at it later. But, but here's the big picture. Everyone who serves through our ministry at Valleybrook, we, we say they're part of our dream team. Uh, that dream team are the people who, who serve, who volunteer, who, who do whatever it takes to help this ministry run, but also helps us serve in the community and, and even around the world. And uh, uh, we want to help people lean into that. And we do that in two ways. One of the ways that we do that is we invite people to take the growth track because when you take our growth track, you'll actually learn how God has wired you and gifted you to serve in the body of Christ. And that's important because when we do that, when we serve how God has called us and wired us to do, we'll experience knowing that we're walking in God's will for our lives. And here's the, the second way. Uh, that we want to encourage you to do that. And, and for those of you on campus, this is particularly specific for you. A after service today, we're going to have a Dream Team Ministry Fair. This is not, uh, let me stress that, this is not a recruiting fair. This is an opportunity for you to meet some leaders and some participants and uh, really just investigate them with another person who's actually involved in that ministry. And so we want to encourage everybody in the building to, to stay around afterwards and, and have some refreshments and, and talk to folks and, and learn some more. Why? Because God calls us to serve sacrificially. And sometimes we don't know where to begin. And so we want to help you investigate where to begin. Now let me go back to how I started this message. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was an amazing servant. He, he lived for Jesus. And when he sensed a call on his life to help the body of Christ and the world understand that racism is a sin, he leaned in it so much that obviously we know it cost him his life. And all of us as followers of Jesus Christ should seek to lean into his legacy because the way the world is now, it still hasn't dealt with racism. Let me, though, share with you how he concluded this message. And remember, he preached this sermon two months before he was assassinated. As he brought the message to a conclusion, he said, Every now and then I think about my own death, and I think about my own funeral. And I don't think of it in a morbid sense. And every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want said? I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. And every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention I have 300 other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention the school I went to. He wrote, 
I'd like somebody to mention that day that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right on the war question. I want you to be able to say that day I did try to feed the hungry. And I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of those other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my life will not be in vain. Yes, he said, I, Jesus, I want to be on your side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth and in commitment to others so that we can make of this old world a new world. Yeah. Dr. King followed Jesus' example and, and he served God and others sacrificially. And that's what followers of Jesus are called to do. To, to follow his example, to serve God and to, to serve others with their lives. So, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of this upside down kingdom and you're called to do that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to become a follower of Jesus and I can help you do that and you can be a part of what Jesus calls us all to do. So I want to close this message praying for each one of us that we can lean into serving sacrificially as God has called. And, and for anybody who's not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray a simple prayer. Put it on your own words. Pray it silently so that you can become a follower of Jesus and understand that when you serve him, you're doing what you're called to do. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. For the way that he served us, that brought us eternal life. As his followers, we want to lean in and, and serve him. So Lord, we pray for the strength, for the courage, for the boldness to do that. And for anyone who hasn't made that position in their life to say, I believe in Jesus, if you want to become his follower today, very simply, I'm going to give you some words to pray silently back to God. Here's the, the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead. And today I declare I want to follow him because I believe in him.
pray this all, Lord, in the name of Jesus who came as our suffering servant to bring us to God. Amen. Look, I want to encourage you uh, as followers of Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, I would love to hear from you. We have a book on discipleship that we would like to put in your hands, so let us know. Send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc. I would also encourage you to uh, check out the words of Dr. King in his drum major instinct message. And I encourage you to follow that QR code and find ways that you can serve. We're going to close with a final song. Please stand as we sing it together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.